Welcome to Invincible Teams, a podcast for team leaders and business owners who are tired of dealing with office drama and politics, high turnover, and teams not meeting their potential. We know that team leaders and business owners like you are pretty much always under pressure to get the most out of your teams. And we also know that most teams only operate at about 58% of their actual potential, and we've got the tools and training to make that number keep going up. We believe that every team should reach their potential, and that if we get intentional, our teams can become invincible. Welcome back to the Invincible Teams podcast. So I've got uh, Cody here with me today, and we are talking about something really, really cool I'm excited to jump into. Cody has no idea what we're talking about, (laughs) which is also exciting for me, but before we get into that, I have uh, a controversial question for you, Cody. You know, it's, I think this is going to be released in December. We're recording this a little bit before Thanksgiving. You know, it's the holidays, and so the, the controversial question is when does Christmas season start oh, for you? Gosh. When do you allow Christmas music to be played? When does the tree go up? Right? Yeah. How does that work with you? All right. So quick backstory. So I, you know, my parents divorced when I was young. And so, you know, it, we went to like seven different Christmases, sure, you know, like sure. when I was a kid. And, uh, and so Christmas season was... Christmas season, just Mm. because when you're bouncing around and things like that, it was like, you know, living with my mom, we didn't do a lot of really early Mm. type things. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of, it wasn't like tradition based, if you want to call it. Sure. So then I married my wife who like, they started this stuff on like October 31st at midnight kind of thing. Oh man. And so just a few weeks ago, I mean, it was, I don't even think it was Halloween yet. And my wife was just, you know like bugging me about setting up the Christmas tree. Yeah. And I was like, okay, go ahead. He set it up. Um, and she texted me and it was super funny, but it was also also very uh, kind of controversial and inappropriate. But <laughs> she had set up the Christmas tree and wanted it to be festive. Uh-huh. So she threw a white sheet over the Christmas tree mm-hmm. to make it look like a ghost. And uh-huh. she put some black eyes. That's Just think about what else is white that is in the shape of a hood yeah. with eye holes, yeah. especially with all the things that That's... have been going on. And I was like, babe, we got to rip that down real quick. Yeah, that and can't. Yeah, that was a no-go. So I was like, okay, let's just pause on, we're, we're trying to make too many things happen here. So anyways, all that to answer your question is, I'm like a good middle of November kind of guy. Okay. You know, like, so hey. before Thanksgiving. We'll go before Thanksgiving because okay. there are certain things that I enjoy, like, I'm a big cinnamon fan. Like I, I love cinnamon in right. nearly everything. Yeah. And for some reason, that's like very much associated with Christmas. So mm. the quicker we can get around to, mm. you know, that kind yeah. of stuff yeah. for my taste buds, I'm for it. Gotcha. So we'll go with mid to late November. See, I'm firmly post Thanksgiving. Okay. Like day after Thanksgiving is fair game okay. for me. Cool. But I just I can't. I'm like I don't want to skip it. But yeah, I, seriously, I've got friends that. I think pre-Halloween, we're setting up Christmas trees. I'm like, you people are crazy. Uh, I was talking to somebody the other day. They were talking about hanging up Christmas lights. Uh, that's one of the things they do in their business is hang Christmas lights for people. Mm-hmm. And they have ones that are like year-round lights. And I thought it was funny because I was like, wait, that's that's a new thing? Like, my dad left <laughs> Christmas lights up year-round. What are you yes, talking about? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I'm post-Thanksgiving 
let's set up the tree the day after Thanksgiving. I'm good with that, yeah. which I just, I know that not everybody um, is good to roll with that. You right? know, but like, you know, something to think about. What if we were to create more Thanksgiving type mm. things like Ben Rector? I don't know if you listened to him. Yeah. yeah. Great artist. Yeah. He actually just released a Thanksgiving song. Hmm. He said that there weren't enough Thanksgiving songs. So yeah. he released one. Yeah. I'm like, okay, if there was good Thanksgiving music. Yeah. And if there was good Thanksgiving things other than slamming myself with turkey. Yeah. Then I'm all for it, you know? Um, but we're not there yet. Yeah. Well, you know, this is not at all why we're doing this podcast today, but I, I have one last thought to add to this is I almost think that I prefer Thanksgiving to to be a little more subtle than Christmas, okay. right? Because Christmas is great, obviously, but it's also so highly commercialized, mm, right? That's true. Um, and there's like pressure on Christmas to make it something just absolutely amazing and and plenty of children's holidays are ruined when they don't get what they want, you know. Yes. Yeah. Um, but with Thanksgiving, there's no pressure to, right. to like give just the perfect thing to spend the money to do. You know, it's just about being together yep. and and eating way too much food, yes. which is great. Um, obviously, that's going to look a little different this year mm-hmm. for people. But um, I, I don't know. I think when I get asked what my favorite holiday is, I think I'm usually tempted to say Thanksgiving. And I wonder if that would be the same if it were a bigger deal hmm. on the level of, of Christmas. Yeah. I don't know. All right. So anyway. t- I take it all back. No music. We're just keeping it, <laughs> we're keeping it subtle. I love it. Good. I've persuaded you. Thanks for joining us today. On the, no, uh, <laughs> we actually have some good stuff to get into. And so I want to share uh, something with you guys. And, and I'll put a link to this in the show notes so you can actually see this as we're talking about it. But there's a tool that I want to share uh, that I share with a lot of different teams that I work with. And, and Cody hasn't even seen this yet, I don't think. <laughs> so I'm going to spring this on him and get his his thoughts about it. But what it's called is uh, the Support Challenge Matrix. Hmm. Okay, And really what this tool is, it's a, it's a really simple but profound tool um, from our friends at Giant Worldwide, which is a company that, that I partner with for a lot of this stuff. And um, it is a great kind of a lens to understand your leadership or the leadership of people around you, just kind of a, a culture on a team, right? And so I'm going to bring this up for you, Cody, to look at, and then we'll describe it for people that are listening. Mm. So basically what we've got here is uh, four boxes, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's two lines that make kind of a plus uh, symbol, so four boxes. Uh, one of the lines from left to right is the amount of challenge that a leader gives to their team, Mm -hmm. right? So on the left, it says low challenge. On the right, it's high challenge. Then the vertical line up and down is the support line, right? So at the bottom is low support, and at the top is high support, Mm -hmm. right? And so then each of these four boxes have a word that kind of describes them, what kind of a culture that it creates on a team. So the bottom left, which is low challenge and low support, we call that an abdicating leader, Mm -hmm. right? A leader who who just isn't super involved, doesn't challenge their people, doesn't like really support them. They're just kind of there, but barely, you know. Uh, and what this does is creates a culture of apathy and low expectation on teams. Then, uh, if you were to go to the top left box, which is a high support but low challenge kind of team or kind of leader, we call that the protecting leader, mm-hmm. right? And what this does creates this culture of entitlement and mistrust, right? It's where people are supported no matter what they do, no mm-hmm. matter their performance. Um, they aren't challenged to, to push the ball, to, to create more, to get more done. Mm-hmm. It's just 
anything's fine and and it's all support, no accountability kind of thing. Hmm. Then uh, you go to the bottom right, which is low support and high challenge. We have what we call the dominating leader, right? They're very challenging. Like they challenge their team a lot. They set very high goals Mm. um, and expectations, but they don't offer much in the way of support, Mm. right? They just say, here's your job, do it, right? And so what that does is creates this culture of fear and manipulation where people are afraid to to mess up because there's no support there, Mm. right? Yeah. Uh, and then finally, in the top right corner, we have what's called the liberating leader. This is the high support, high challenge quadrant. Mm. And this type of leader, yeah, they do bring a lot of challenge, set really good goals for their people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they also match that with high support, giving their people everything that they need mm. to actually achieve these goals. Yeah. Right. And it's yeah. called a liberating leader because mm. it, it liberates people. It frees people to actually fulfill their potential, right? Mm-hmm. And that's something that we talk about in the intro and outro of this podcast is yeah. is teams meeting their potential. And so if they're going to do that, they need to be in cultures. They need to have leaders who mm-hmm. are liberating leaders who create this culture of empowerment and opportunity for yep. their people. Mm-hmm. So before we dive into particulars on this, uh, Cody, give me your just initial reaction to yeah. seeing this tool. Mm. First of all, I love this. This is really cool. <clears throat> the thing that kind of going backwards is when you talk about this liberating leader, um, it makes me think about something I heard and it was very much from a, a faith kind of based perspective, sure. but I'll, I'll flip it to how it applies to this is um, a test from a good leader is an opportunity hmm. uh, can, can like serve as an opportunity rather than setting someone up for failure. Okay. Um, and so I feel like for this liberating leader, as challenges arise in the organization, as potential situations where let's say that you're stepping into a task that you're not used to doing, mm-hmm. uh, that the leader has, or the boss has thrown at you, mm-hmm. is this liberating leader would, I would imagine, really serve that person up you know, to succeed. Right, right. And as you look at this dominating leader, just throwing tasks and throwing um, I won't even say opportunities, but just literally throwing, um, yeah, tasks and kind of duties, right. you know, at an employee with no support. Right. That's that's where you're setting these people up to fail. Sure, sure. Um, and so that, yeah, that's kind of what I thought about that side. And then this protecting leader, I've actually worked for somebody like this. And, it, and it, as soon as you started talking about it, it clicked. Um, but I worked for a, a sporting goods store and I had this boss. I mean, I would show up late week after week after week and he was just kind of like yeah it's fine just hey don't let it happen again Mm. but it did happen again right and i left my time from that store like not proud of myself yeah you know like and i but here's the thing is like i was a young 19 year old kid i didn't know any better well i I mean maybe i did (laughs) but i'm saying like that lack of accountability yeah um, I didn't leave better than I showed up. Yeah, it didn't know? help you. No. And what do you think the effect was on the rest of your team? Oh, it was, it, it cost everybody something. You know, the fact that I was showing up late put more stress on my coworkers. Right. Um, it showed them that, well, if Cody can do it, then I can do yeah. it. And then, you know, it, I think it cost my boss like respect mm-hmm. because people would look at him and be like, well, he doesn't really care. Yeah. So why should I care? He doesn't want to show up on time and doesn't care if I show up on time. So, I mean, there were literally days where like we show up and the store is not ready to go at opening time. Yeah. And then it has a negative impact on our customers and and their, you know, experience with us. And so, um, but then this, you know, what you say, like abdicating, is that how you say that? Abdicate? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Abdicating leader. 
Um, I've never worked for anybody like this, but that just you talking about that gives me like goosebumps in the sense of like, <laughs> I just would want nothing to do with that because that sounds like the kind of job where people show up, literally clock in, they clock out like, you know, rinse, lather, repeat kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And there's no passion. There's no drive. Right. It literally is just a robotic, apathetic, like you said, yeah. experience. Yeah. And that is the worst case scenario for somebody like me. <laughs> so do you remember the movie office space? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen it and it's yes. another one of those movies that I can't in good conscience, like recommend that people nope. go back and watch. <laughs> but, but I do remember enough to say that I think there was a lot of probably this abdication, mm -hmm. right? Just that going in, like you said, clocking in, sitting and staring at the gray side of a cubicle, yes. right? Um, mm -hmm. Did you read the TPS report, right? <laughs> uh, and uh, and it's just the same thing over and over again. Yes. Like you said, no passion, nothing really gets done. Yes. Uh, and it's just like stagnant. Yeah. Um, and I think... I think people need more than that, mm -hmm. right? To, yeah. to feel like what they're doing is valuable, like mm -hmm. they have purpose in their yep. work. Yep. Uh, and so an abdicating leader definitely doesn't create an environment where people feel like their work is valuable. I think I could speak to one of your love languages here, um, that if Stanley on the office was the general manager or the regional manager, yeah. I feel like that's probably what that could have looked like it could <laughs> yeah i would say he probably goes between abdicate and and dominate yes. he has his dominate yeah moments. he does yeah. he does but, but the whole it, but yeah. it's five o'clock you know yep. like we're going home yep. kind of thing you know yeah but yeah Anyways. oh man dude so this is great this is so good yeah so you know when we talk through this uh, and i talk through it with different leaders and teams and stuff one of the exercises that we'll talk about is um finding out where you are mm. right in your leadership mm. on this now Reality is that we all probably bounce around on mm -hmm. this little matrix, you know, multiple times a day even, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but if you were looking at this uh, and were to rate yourself or mm. put yourself, plot yourself somewhere on this, where do you think you fall um, more often than not? Obviously, everybody wants to be <laughs> yeah, a liberator. For sure. But let's say this. When you are not, where are you more likely to find yourself? I'm absolutely in the dominate category really oh okay. yeah oh yeah without a doubt so um i don't know if i've shared this on this podcast before but i think this is something that's life-giving for leaders and is a is a really healthy um just kind of self-evaluation but one of the hardest things that i was ever told like as a leader we had just stepped into launching our first nonprofit, like with with you know my team that used to be a band and then involved into a hmm. nonprofit mm -hmm. team over mm -hmm. time um we're talking about people i had led with for you know at that time like seven eight years like they were friends they were teammates they were partners you know and we started this and i stepped into my first kind of executive director role mm -hmm. and we were at a staff meeting one day and after the staff meeting one of my team members pulled me aside and said cody you speak with periods at the end of every statement hmm. like you you make declaratives hmm. with everything that you say yeah there's no room for conversation there's no you know kind of open-handedness to your ideas like it is what it is and that's the way it's going to be yeah and for somebody like me who's very like i have a desire to be inclusive very people oriented that was a dagger to my heart hmm. and so this whole culture of fear and manipulation i don't feel like I create a culture of fear. I just see that low support bar mm. and the fact that I set big challenges. And for the people who are, you know, Enneagram um, fans or scholars or whatever that listen to this podcast is that, you know, being a seven who's very vision and right. future oriented yeah, yeah. 
I just want to keep the ball rolling. Mm. I just want to keep looking down the field and saying, hey, that's where we're headed. Um, and so there's a lot of challenge. But then when people don't follow suit in that, then I have a hard time supporting that. Yeah, there's there's a lack of grace, you know, in that. And so, yeah, on on my we'll go like average to unhealthy days. Yeah. Dominating leader. Dominate. Yeah, absolutely. That's really interesting, uh, especially when you bring in the the sevenness of it. And I, th- I think what will end up happening is we're going to do more episodes specifically geared towards Enneagram types on this tool. Mm-hmm. Um, but just to dip our toes in that for a second, I do think it's interesting because when you're talking about a seven, yeah, you're, you're dead on vision, like future oriented, big dreams, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, and so what I would guess happens with a lot of sevens is that they probably don't offer a ton of support, but it's not in a uh, malicious mm-hmm. way yeah. like other uh, you know numbers might be. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more of just this over positive dreaming <laughs> about what the future could be yeah. and don't have time uh, or focus to dabble in the details. Yep. And so people end up being unsupported, mm-hmm. even though it's not intentional from you being mm-hmm. that way. Is that accurate oh spot on spot on for example like my wife is a six um and so and we work together and when i get into dream mode yeah um one of the things that we've had to work through is that it's not that she can't dream with me it's just the fact that when i jump from one dream to the next to the next and i haven't left any room for her to ask any questions as to like how is that actually going to happen yeah or what if this happens you know yeah and so in the context of, you know, um, one of the things that I, I get to do with my job is basically recruit seasonal teams for our um, camp seasons. And when you're talking about, you know, 20 to 25 college students from all different places and backgrounds is that, yes, I in every way want to create a culture of empowerment and opportunity. I want them to leave better than they arrived, you know, working with me. Um, but sadly, if the expectation and the challenge is is way too hard and too high um, and i'm not offering support because people are, are stepping into jobs that they've never done before you know like you take a kid from orange county california and throw him up on a zip line and say hey dude like you're about to catch potentially a 200 pound junior high kid coming in <laughs> at 20 miles an hour yeah, yeah. Um, somebody's gonna drop the ball at yeah. some point and so um yeah so to be challenging yes and to push people beyond what they think they're capable of yeah but at the same time doing that with an insane amount of support and grace and like i think i just think about coach like being a coach Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um that's what a coach's job is to do you Mm. know and so anyways and we'll we'll keep talking about this but man uh, what a what a cool tool so yeah so I think about it for me, and I've been thinking about this for a, a few months now because I, I would bounce back and forth on where I would find myself. Mm. And I think what I realized is that uh, whenever I'm not in that liberator spot, I I think I have, uh, this is just being real, I think I have a, a lot of bias uh, with people that, that determines where I fall on this, right? Mm. So I think what I've realized is if I don't have a close personal relationship with somebody, I tend to be more of a dominator. Okay. But with those that I do have a personal relationship with, I tend to be more of a protector. Oh, okay. Right? So, um, and actually we'll dive more into that specific thing in just hmm. a minute. But when I think about different teams that I've worked on, if if I'm not close with the person, then, you know, just to go back to Enneagram world for a second, as a one, 
here are the expectations. Yep. Here are the rules. Do your job. Mm-hmm. Right. And that is a high challenge, low support kind of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like this, almost this cold, hard expectations, right? Mm-hmm. Here's what you're supposed to be doing. You shouldn't need any more support. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, uh, I notice with people that I do have, just call it a soft spot for mm-hmm. even, um, I have this protector mentality where I, I break my own rules. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, it's hypocritical. I'm, I'll admit that. Mm. Uh, but it's like, okay, I, I can see where they're coming from, which is not a bad thing, yeah. but I don't always extend that same thing to, to everybody else. Mm. And so I think I, I fluctuate between those two when I'm, like you said, on average to unhealthy mm-hmm. days, which I think is a great way to put it. Um, so that's just kind of an insight I've had about myself and my own leadership. Yeah. Um, does that, that Oh, you just sense? triggered so many things in me because I, I wasn't even thinking about it from that you know place. Yeah. And Let's, let me jump into this next part. Okay. I think that um, I think it's going to go perfectly with with what you're uh, saying right here. Um, and so, if you take this tool and um, start to go outside of just the the team that maybe you're thinking about, right? Mm-hmm. And and think about it in other parts of life. We get into what is called five circles of influence, mm-hmm. and and yeah. we'll probably do a full podcast on this uh, on another another time. But basically, if you were to import that tool onto this one, which for those uh, watching or not watching, listening, <laughs> yeah. um, it's basically a bullseye that we're looking at right now that has these five different rings. The middle one is self, then it's family, team, organization, and community. Right. And the idea here is that each one of these, you have to exert leadership, intentional leadership Mm -hmm. in. And if you don't, the system crumbles. And Mm -hmm. so you start at the middle with self. Mm -hmm. Right. And so when you think about support challenge, where do you normally fall on self-leadership? Do you liberate yourself? Mm -hmm. Are you a dominator towards yourself? Are you a protector, abdicator towards yourself? Right. Yeah. Um, And once you answer that, then let's go to the next ring, which is family. Mm -hmm. How do you normally lead with family. Mm. Do you dominate? Do you protect? Right? Mm. Do you liberate, abdicate? And then we get into that third ring, which is team, which is what you and I have been talking about. And so it's easy to see like, oh man, I really do this in different ways, Mm. in different layers of my life. So uh, with that, uh, go go back to what you were going to say. I I cut you off, but I'm assuming it would fit uh, with what we're talking about here. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And this is, this is spot on where I was headed is that for all of the, these different rings, like I'm kind of in my head right now, kind of going through these and I don't like my answers, you know? <laughs> um, it is, it's so different because for myself as a seven, I mean, I, I'd like to think I'm always trying to push the bar and like move forward and like liberate myself. Yeah. But at the same time, um, there is a there is a level of protection, you know, where you you give yourself probably a lot more oh, yeah. grace. Yeah. Or maybe as an Enneagram one, you don't give yourself a lot yeah. of grace, you know. Oh yeah. Um, and so, and then for my family, even that's split because for like my brother, I've probably been a dominator in a lot of ways mm. for my little brother. You know, not just on the basketball court. Not just on the basketball yeah. court. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but but as we've gotten older. There is this, um, I would like to think, liberation that's happened in our relationship as we've grown and become, you know, like young men together. And then for for certain family members, I'll just go ahead and say this. You kind of have that attitude of like, they'll never change. So mm. why 
why would I even try? You yeah, know, yeah. and I know that there's certain people that I have worked with and have had, you know, um, relationships with professionally that I've had that attitude towards. And then, you know, team, I take that one very seriously. Mm-hmm. And, and there, I would like to think that there's some liberating qualities there. And then, I, you know, I, I talked about the domination thing, but man, for like organization and community, if I'm just being honest as a seven, I've probably spent most of my liberating intentionality in those places. Yeah. Um, and if I'm just being real honest, like there's a lot of selfish motives there. Sure. You know? Yeah. Um, like my family's going to love me at the end of the day. <laughs> like I can, I can drop the ball there. Yeah. Um, and like with my team, you know, there's some grace there, but man, with like, it's sad to me, like how much I've put intentionality into the top two rings. Yeah. But then for myself and my family, I've yeah. dropped the ball. So, and I can already see this is going to be a whole nother podcast series. Absolutely. Because we could sit here and talk about what each Enneagram type. Yeah tends to do with these five circles of influence, oh my gosh, yeah. right? Wow. Um, because different ones will do different things, like yep. like you just said. And, and I can see that with me as mm-hmm. well and the ones where I abdicate yeah. Um, yeah. and the ones where I don't, where I'm more intentional, like you're saying. So anyway, um, we'll, we'll definitely talk more about the five circles of influence on a later podcast. But going back to this support challenge mm. uh, matrix, um, you know, most leaders – aren't super great at self-assessing on this. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, We just have a bias towards our own, our own ways. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's, that's not, I mean, it's not good, but it's also not anything abnormal. Mm. Right. Yeah. That's just how most leaders are. Mm -hmm. Self-awareness is just not, not a strong trait Mm. uh, for most people. Mm. Uh, And so it's interesting if you were to ask a leader, where would you plot yourself versus asking their team, mm-hmm. where would you plot your leader? Oh, gosh, yeah. Right? So, um, you know, it's it's a brave exercise to do, yeah. uh, both for the leader and mm-hmm. for the team, because Absolutely. the leader is probably going to come out looking worse than what they hope. <laughs> yep. um, and the team yeah. uh, is probably going to be afraid to be honest mm. uh, in a lot of times, especially if it is a dominating environment, then mm-hmm. they're definitely going to be afraid to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Let's talk about what each of those environments looks like, mm-hmm. which I know we've got into a little bit, but mm-hmm. let's dive in a little bit more on those. So um, let's talk about uh, where do you want to start? Let's go with protecting. Okay. So a protecting environment, a protecting leader, this culture of entitlement and mistrust. You gave a great example of that already mm-hmm. uh, about uh, you, an environment mm-hmm. that you were in, and how the lack of accountability, it didn't help you, mm-hmm. it didn't help the team. Uh, people on the team felt like, well, if Cody can come in late, I can mm-hmm. come in late. Yeah. Um, and so I think we've we've done a good job of talking about that one. Any, what other thoughts do you have around that kind of environment? Um, what are the outcomes of that mm-hmm. uh, for people on the team, for the leader, for the organization? Yeah, let me throw this thought at you and see what you get um, yeah. or what it triggers. But when you talk about this culture of entitlement, yeah, one of the things that is in my mind is that this starts to blur the lines between titles. Hmm. Um, and so one of the things that I saw in that um, environment that I said to you was that it really blurred the lines between my manager, I was an assistant manager, and then you know the rest of the team because there wasn't this challenge right. to really step up and take responsibility in right. our individual lanes. And so it honestly just kind of felt like even though I had the title of assistant manager, I was acting like I was just a basic, yeah. you know, um, kind of lower man on the totem pole, if you want to call it. Yeah. And 
um, and then even for my my manager is because I didn't see him taking responsibility with his right. you know lane and his title, it I just lost respect for that, and so yep. there was not. Um, I think basically what I'm saying is that it really hindered my drive or prevented me from even desiring to move up in that company right. um, and take the bull by, by the horns, if you want to call it. Um, does that make sense at all? It makes like, total would, sense. Would you I see mean, that at all? Why, why would you want to, right? If there's mm-hmm. no there's no difference, there's no incentive, there's just maybe more responsibility with no ability to, mm-hmm. to actually enact anything. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It's just a, I mean, it's a proven thing. If rules and systems and stuff are not enforced, if people aren't held mm-hmm. accountable to certain standards, then the, the quality of everything's mm-hmm. going to suffer, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so that's I see that. Um, I've actually seen that. I'm, I'm thinking through different teams and leaders that I've worked with right now. And I've seen that. What In the most common way I see it is whenever you have one team member who is underperforming mm. that the leader likes personally mm. but refuses to hold them accountable, mm. right? Yeah. Um, and I have seen that on a lot of teams. There's teams I'm working with right now that are struggling through this issue. Mm. And whenever you refuse to hold that one person accountable, right, you may not think that you're doing, you're creating this environment for the team. You may just think of this one individual. But And I said this on a phone call probably five different times yesterday was we have to think about the team over the individual, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And while you may be trying to, to love on this individual, what you're actually doing is hurting the team mm-hmm. because they're seeing the standards lowered. Yeah. But also, like you were saying with your example, you didn't leave that job any better than mm-hmm. when you came in, no. right? You didn't learn any sort of responsibility. Mm-hmm. You didn't improve. You didn't grow. And so by trying to help this person, you're actually holding them back, mm-hmm. Uh, and so that just creates that environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and if leaders will understand that that how they treat that one underperforming underperforming person yeah. doesn't just impact them, it impacts the rest of their team. That can mm-hmm. be a game changer for for teams. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, you're triggering so many like enneagram type thoughts in my head. <laughs> but I'll just say this: is that that you then kind of get into what you could call like resource management or energy management, hmm. where if you're like you said, you're pouring so much time and energy into this one person mm-hmm. and it's keeping you from being the leader that you need to be th- to the rest of this team. Yeah. That's, that's where this self-evaluation has to come into play Yeah, because I just go ahead and tell you, if you're a leader and you're kind of thinking like, Hey, that might be me more than likely you have other team members that are feeling that resentment oh, yeah. you know, towards you. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so your man, team's aware of it. Oh, they're for sure. absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, and so, and I just feel like that would, that would create such a um, divisive environment where people are coming in with just a lot of frustration and 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 then probably even leads to them underperform, underperforming um, because of, of that situation. And so, um, hmm. yeah. so, so let me just ask you this, what are, what's maybe like a practical step to step out of that protective yeah. environment um, yeah. and, and lead to a more liberating type? So this is actually going to be a really similar answer for all three of these, protect, advocate, dominate, right? Um, But if you find yourself in that position, um, I don't think that it's wrong. I think this is actually what you need to do. You need to own it, Mm -hmm. right, Mm -hmm. and and admit to this, and even potentially admit to your team or whoever's involved with it, uh, whoever it might have affected. Say, hey, I've realized that I have not been challenging 
everybody enough, mm-hmm. right? And because of that, you know, some people are getting by with lesser quality work. And there's a lot of you that are doing great quality work mm. and you feel like that's not valued here. And I just need to say that that's not true and I'm sorry, mm. right? So what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be bringing more challenge than I have previously. Mm-hmm. You're going to notice a difference. Mm. And the reason I'm going to do that is because I believe that we have the potential on this team to meet that challenge, mm. right? Uh, and because I want to honor the people who are already working to that level, even though I haven't been challenging them enough to do that. Mm. Right. So in that you are both honoring the people who have been working hard and have been living up to a challenge that you may not have even been giving, but you're also kind of putting everybody else on alert. Mm-hmm. Hey, I didn't do this right. Well, you're taking responsibility for it, but you're also letting them know here's what's coming. Mm. Right. And so I think, you know, a lot of times what, what happens is when people have this underperforming team member or whatever that they've been protecting, eventually the fuse runs out on that and they think that, I've got to fire this person Mm -hmm. when, you know, maybe that's what needs to happen, but maybe it's just been that their leadership hasn't been Mm -hmm. challenging enough for that person. And so I have had times recently where I have uh, coached some leaders to be like, well, before you actually sever ties with this person, before you make a decision that's as big as firing someone, let's raise the bar on challenge Mm -hmm. and see if they're willing to meet it. Um, And, you know, sometimes people are, and sometimes people are not, mm. which, and that happened recently where one of the leaders I work with got an email from somebody that uh, was like, I cannot work in this environment. Like I can't, this is not a good fit, mm. which when you have somebody decide for themselves rather than having to fire them, that's better for everybody. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You can mutually part ways and it's just not a good fit, which mm-hmm. is better for them. They can go find something that's a better fit and it's better for your team. Mm-hmm. That team that I'm uh, referring to right now, they have had a remarkable increase in just their teamwork, morale, wow. everything. The next day wow. after that person resigned, wow. because it was just not the right fit. Yeah, uh, and so yeah, I think to to go back and answer your question, own it, mm-hmm. right? Call it out. Honor the people that have been working hard anyway. Put everybody else on notice that you're going to be raising the level of challenge, mm-hmm. and then do that. Yeah. Raise the challenge, yeah. right? Yeah. You basically just gave me what I'm going to have to do when we get back from our Thanksgiving <laughs> trip. So, so thank you for that. Yeah. Cool. I'll send you the bill. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, cool. Let's, let's bump down to abdicate. Yeah. Um, what is, what does that look like on a day to day? Well, yeah, this one's tough. Um, it, it's abdicating leader is the low challenge, low support, right? Um, it's that clock in clock out that we talked about Mm -hmm. where nobody really cares. Um, and it just creates this environment where nobody's excited, nobody's passionate, nobody's driven. You're not going to achieve great things because no one cares. Mm. Right. Mm. Um, and this one is, uh, I think this is the hardest one probably uh, just because you're low on both support and Mm. challenge. And so, uh, again, though, I think that the solution is very similar. Mm. The first thing you have to do is own it, Mm -hmm. right? Is to say in front of whoever is in your sphere of influence, Hey, I have not been supportive and I have not challenged you guys. Mm. And this team is, has more potential than what we've been doing. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to see some changes where I'm going to be more challenging Mm -hmm. and I'm going to be more supportive than I have been in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, the harsh truth is you're probably going to lose some people yeah. because they were used to that environment. <laughs> yeah. Um, and some people, you know, at least for a time are fine with clocking in clocking out and getting a paycheck. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that won't last 
everybody like you just kind of dry up like mm-hmm. like fruit that's been you know the vine's been cut mm-hmm. um people will eventually dry up in that and um and the organization will suffer to a point where that will eventually be discarded yeah um but what you'll see happen as those people leave is you'll bring in new people who are actually excited yeah actually passionate mm-hmm. to get stuff done to reach new goals to grow to expand and so uh, if you find yourself uh, very often in the abdicator role, um, you've got probably some rough, rough waters ahead. Yeah. But mm-hmm. on the other side of that can be something great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Yeah. So, you know, and you teaching this and sharing this with different organizations, I just feel like there's somebody who's going to come up and be like, Hey, yeah, I'm an abdicating leader. But when it comes to providing more challenge or more support, Mm-hmm. Which one do I spend more time on? Mm. Like if I'm in that position where I'm low on both of those sides, which one comes first? Do I mm. step into becoming a more challenging leader or do I try to be a more supportive leader out of the gate? Hmm. What would you say to that? Uh, I would say, and I'm just shooting from the hip here, but probably what I would say if I was asked that is go for the low hanging fruit. Okay. Um, and so I'm a big fan of creating momentum early, mm. getting some easy wins under your belt, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so whatever is easiest, if it would be easier for you to bring some support to the team that you currently have, mm-hmm. um, you know, sitting down with somebody over lunch and, and asking how they're doing and yeah. getting to know a little bit about them, their family, whatever it is. Um, hey, what projects are you working on? Mm-hmm. What do you need from me to get mm-hmm. those done? Uh, if that's easier to do, then do that. Mm-hmm. Um if though you want to bring challenge and that seems there's something easy to do there, like having a little competition that week where the winner mm. gets a $10 Chick-fil-A card or something, you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. something where you just give a little bit of challenge, mm-hmm. uh, take the low hanging fruit, take the easy wins, mm-hmm. generate some momentum that will help you to do bigger things, mm. more challenging things and bigger support projects. Uh, in the future, I think it'd be easier if you start with the easy wins. Mm. So whatever is easiest, take those early wins. Yeah, that'd yeah. be what I would say. Yeah, but that. but for that abdicating leader, before you can do any of that, to go back to our five circles of influence, that mm-hmm. first circle is self. Yeah. Um, and if you're an abdicating leader in your team, then I would guess you, it's very likely that you're probably that with yourself, mm-hmm. or at least you're not a liberating leader with yourself. Yeah. And um, you know Simon Simon Sinek, I think uh, one of his big things is to know your why, mm, right? And yeah. so if I were talking with a leader who would openly admit that they've been abdicating their responsibility, I'm going to spend less time early in the conversation talking about what they can do with their team, and more time talking about why they're in that position of yep. leadership at all. Yep. Uh, because if they've lost that and they're just kind of drifting, mm-hmm. that's I think that's how a lot of leaders end up abdicating is because they forget why they're in that position mm-hmm. at all. And so that's where I want to start that conversation is understand your why. Why are you doing this? And Mm -hmm. if you can't find a good answer for that, then you may need a different role where you can have passion about something, where you can be excited about getting up every day Mm -hmm. and having purpose in your job. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's where I would start that conversation. Yeah. And that's. That's so good. I think Craig O'Shell talks so much about the idea that, you know, um, your team is only going to care about what you care about as a, as an organization or mm-hmm. as a leader. Mm-hmm. And, and so to that, if you're a leader and you don't know your why, or if your organization doesn't have a very clear why, um, then more than likely the people that you're recruiting come and being a, a part of your team, like sadly, they may just be there for a job. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've, we've had to really reevaluate that as a camp, you know, mm-hmm. ministry, is when it comes to recruiting our teams, we don't have the time 
or the resources to be bringing in people that are just needing a job. And, mm-hmm. and to be honest, if you're a college student listening to this, there's not a lot of money in working at a youth <laughs> camp. Just going to be honest about that. Um, and so especially with that, I, I need people that are really committed to the why. Sure. They're really committed to like what it is that we are accomplishing and, and the difference that we're trying to make. And so, um, so yeah, if you're an abdicating leader who has identified that, who is now self-aware in some regard, um, taking those steps forward, like you said, in self-development, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. your team's going to see that. Mm-hmm. They're going to see that shift. And then you said something earlier about, you know, grab the low-hanging fruit, mm-hmm. is I would, if I'm in that abdicating position, as a leader, I would try to identify people on my team that are kind of itching for that more yeah um and and really bring them on board with the the forward movement yeah um they always talk about if you want to you know go to the movies with your friends um you don't send out a message to 10 people you actually the one that told me this you don't send out a group text to 10 people say hey you want to go to the movies you silently recruit four people to go to the movies (laughs) and you say hey me and these four people are going to the movies who else wants to go yeah and it's more likely that the the five will jump on board with the five than nine will jump on board with the yeah, one. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, that was that was a really good tool. Like, uh, a little tricky, I mean, but that's um, funny. cool. So you feel good about that one? Yeah, yeah. Cover that yeah, one. Let's move on. So let's go to dominating. Um, I'll I'll just go ahead and speak to this yeah. one because I've I've experienced this both from myself as a leader and then working for a dominating leader is. This is one of those things where it almost feels like even though the challenge is very clear and mm-hmm. the, as you said, the expectations are very clear, there's still this really heavy unknown of like, what if I don't accomplish it? Right. What, what does that mean for or me? Or how do I accomplish yeah, it? Yeah. Or how do I accomplish yeah. it? And I think that was one of the things that I experienced. Um, it was probably like my first real career type job, like mm-hmm. me knowing that I, you know, felt really passionate about um, nonprofit work and um, and trying to, to dedicate myself to those things is getting invited into um, an, an organization to be a part of, of something. Mm-hmm. But with my skill set, I stepped into a role that probably wasn't a good fit for me. Sure. Yeah. Um, and the, the challenge was clear. The expectations were clear. Even the day to day was kind of laid out for me. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the support of how to take my skill set and kind of shift it into what needed to right. happen, you know, right. w- to accomplish those things that wasn't there. Yeah. Um, and, and it was just, it was kind of debilitating in mm. a way because I would show up and I could very clearly see what was ahead of me in yeah. terms of if I accomplished this, this is what it should look like. But I didn't have that day-to-day support of like actually getting to accomplish it, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and then as a leader, one of the things that I've seen is on my my team um, at camp, we have a lot of nines on our team. Mm-hmm. And so if you're familiar with the Enneagram, then you probably well, this will make sense. But for those who are not, is that these are people who um, they can take a little bit longer to make decisions. Sure. They can. Um, there's a lot of other things that go into this, but these are people that um, they're not necessarily like fast moving people. Mm. And so when it comes to setting the challenges and the expectations and then wanting to see okay, just go do it. Yeah. That's not going to happen. And so there has to be this, I'm not going to call it handholding, but there has to be this kind of like, 
hey, I'm going to walk with you for the first kind of few mm-hmm. steps of this sure, sure. process, yeah. and then I'm going to release you. Yeah. Versus just like, okay, go do it. Have well, fun. Well, that's the support we're talking about. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. And so, and that's what's missing in this dominating environment is yeah. that support where people feel like, okay, like my leader asked me to do this, so I think they think that I'm capable of it but they're not there with me in that process. And so I think just by coming alongside people in those first few kind of maybe steps or the the early stages of the process, man, you want to talk about like a a, a quick shift. Um, And, but here's the deal. If you're a dominating leader, I'm just going to go and go on a limb and say that you're probably a really driven person. Yeah. Most Um, of the time. Most of the time a really driven person. Absolutely. Um, And so this is going to, slow you down a little mm. bit in mm. the in the way that I feel like a dominating leader would feel like that's how I felt is yeah. I've had to slow down um, I've had to take a few steps back into if I had a day where I've mapped out all these different things and bouncing meeting from meeting to meeting what if I kind of eliminated or opened up some some time in between those meetings so when I've laid something out um, giving time for people on my team to be like hey you okay yeah I get this but yeah. like what does this look like? And so those are just things that I've um, had to had to set aside for myself. Yeah. But yeah, well, thoughts there? Yeah, yeah, a few thoughts. So um, you're talking about the leader, a dominating leader, uh, a lot of times being very driven. Mm. And one of the things that came to mind is uh, it's a great saying that I learned years ago. Uh, it's actually used, I believe, by Delta Force. Oh, wow. They have this saying. Um, it's, I say that and I might get slack from this, but it's, I think it's either Delta or it's Rangers. Okay. Okay. It's it's one of the two, but the saying is, um, slow is smooth and smooth Mm. is fast. Mm. Right. It's that idea you were saying of, ah, crap, this is going to slow down this driven leader. Mm -hmm. But the reality is if you go so fast that you're reckless or careless, you know, and you eventually quote unquote wreck or crash, Mm -hmm. then whatever speed that you had at the beginning you're still going to lose out because you crash, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, whereas the saying is slow is smooth and mm-hmm. smooth is fast. Mm-hmm. It's that you know age-old kid story, mm-hmm. tortoise and the hare, slow and steady wins the race, yeah. right? Uh, and so what I'm not saying is that if you're a driven leader, you need to chill out and not be so driven, mm-hmm. but you can actually reach more of your goals yeah. in the long term mm-hmm. by, um, you know, just taking taking your foot off the gas every now and then and mm-hmm. adding a little bit more support so that people are actually able to live up to the challenge that you naturally give. Yep. Right? Slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Mm-hmm. I think it's an incredible lesson for, for very driven leaders. That's cool. Um, so, yeah, I think that um, – I think, you know, obviously this dominating leader, high challenge, low support, um, it's just easy – I think it's it's such a default for a lot of people yep. in leadership in yep. general because mm-hmm. a lot of times this quality, I think, gets you into leadership, mm-hmm. right? You are able to drive people. Uh, and so I think this is a, a very prominent one for a lot of team leaders is, mm-hmm. is to be dominators, especially in the for-profit world, yep. right? Yep. Maybe the nonprofit, uh, ministry, all those kinds mm-hmm. of jobs might, I would guess, skew more towards the protector mm-hmm. side of things. Yeah, I can see that. Um, but the for-profit, big mm-hmm. business, you know, probably goes more towards the dominator, I would mm-hmm. I would assume. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, so I just think a lot of people find themselves there in, in that space. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know if you ever use this language, but what this makes me think about it, I don't remember who used this in their book, but this seems like, you know, the dominating 
um, leader versus a liberating leader is almost what it clicks in me is the manage the manager versus mm-hmm. the leader. Yeah. Is someone mm-hmm. stepping into management where it's like, hey, we got stuff to do, we got tasks to accomplish, let's get it done. Yeah. They're obviously gonna set out tasks and they're gonna, you know, create the um, the delegation and things like that, you know, yeah. to make sure we get stuff done. But in terms of supporting the people and really like lifting them beyond what they're capable of. Sure. Um, that's a that's a leader. That's yeah. that evolution into leadership. Agree. And so yeah. um yeah. So last thing on the dominate one, then we can move on. But it did also make me think that I think it would be important to say here that different industries over different times have probably different needs as far as support challenge. Oh, right. Yeah. So if you think about, you know, manufacturing America, mm-hmm. right, um, just the, the age, the industrial age, factories, uh, supply lines, mm-hmm. things like that, uh, you know, the, the job is pretty clear. Right. And if you if you are managing or leading a team of people who sit on a conveyor belt and just add, you know, pieces to widgets yeah. over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, that could I would say that could naturally be a dominating environment, mm-hmm. even if you are not a dominating leader. Mm-hmm. Right. Just because, again, it's very clear what the expectations are. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter if you like it or not. This is what your job is. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, And so I think in those environments, it's important for the longevity and health of your team to bring a little extra support. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, even if you yourself are not a dominating leader, because Mm -hmm. the environment might be more of a dominating environment, making sure that these people are very aware Mm -hmm. of why they're doing what they're doing, why they sit on this assembly line day after day and Mm -hmm. put this piece over and over again onto this thing. Uh, because otherwise people will get burned out on that. Mm-hmm. They will get drained. They will lose focus, yeah. right? And so uh, helping people to understand why what they're doing is so important mm-hmm. is a form of support. Now, yeah. there are other industries where probably it skews more towards a protective environment, mm-hmm. even if you are not a protective leader. And mm-hmm. so you just naturally have to bring more challenge to that environment uh, for the the team to be healthy and to mm-hmm. thrive. Yeah. So yeah, it's good. Anyway, just wanted to say that because there, I'm sure there's some people listening. It's like this doesn't apply to my industry at all. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we don't require mm-hmm. this. Like, mm-hmm. uh, but I think I think that this can fit just about anywhere. It yeah. may just apply slightly differently in different industries. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Anyway, let's let's round this out. We're gonna close out this podcast uh, talking about the the liberating leader, the liberating environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, give me your thoughts on that one. Uh, I want to work in that environment, you know, um, I want to lead in that way. Um, you know, like what you just described the, the conveyor belt, you know, type thing Yeah, is that I think that even for people who are not literally standing at assembly line, sometimes feel that way. Mm. You got people that are showing up to a job that maybe at once upon a time they thought was their dream job sure. environment. Sure. And just because like with any job, there are elements of it that are just not fun. Like, yeah. sorry, that's, you know, hit the burst your bubble but yeah um and and i think what happens sometimes is that the apathy towards those things slowly starts to trickle out into other stuff as they lose the perspective of the why Mm. or they lose that connection with their leader where they feel supported and Mm. challenged Mm. and really like lifting the ceiling we talked about that like of a lot is that we as leaders want to lift the ceiling of what our teams are capable of yeah. um, and individually what people are capable of. Yeah. Um, and so, man, to walk into a liberating environment mm-hmm. um, day after day where I show up to work knowing that my leader 
believes in me, mm. supports me, is going to be there when I screw up, yeah. not to rain down fire, um, but yes, to challenge me to say like, hey, we can't have this. Yeah. Um, you know, I communicate an expectation. Right. You're underperforming. Right. But hey, I want to support you to make sure that you show up yeah. um, in the ways that I that I need you to and the ways that I want you yeah. to want to. Um, what, what is it that Craig says all the time is that um, like real leadership is getting people to do what you want them to do because they want to do it. I think it's something, I'm probably botching it, <laughs> but that idea of like, if somebody comes to work for an organization and there is obviously something within their lane that they need to get done, yeah. getting to a place where they are truly passionate about seeing that accomplished for the bigger picture, yeah. rather than feeling like just a tool in somebody's sure. you know, assembly line. Sure. Um, and so a lot of weird thoughts there, but hopefully that makes sense yeah. is that, um, for people to show up to a job and and to be under an, a, a liberating leader to where they feel that opportunity, like yeah. they feel like, hey, there's more to this. Um, I'm not capped here. That each day there are real opportunities for me to contribute to our organization or to our team, and then to feel empowered in that. Right. Um, to feel like I play more than or I contribute more than just what my individual lane tells me that I. Um, I'm allowed to contribute if you want to call it that. So, um, yeah, high support, high challenge. I think it's a goal for all of us, yeah. you know, as leaders, like we want to, want to provide that for our teams. The self-awareness piece is huge. Yeah. Um, and, and like, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this later, as you said, but man, those like five layers. Yeah. Um, uh, would you, would you call that one more time? Uh, the five, uh, like yes. circles of influence, five circles of influence. Um, is that I think for, you know, a liberating leader, this has to trickle into each of those five oh, yeah. layers of influence. And yeah. we'll talk about that, but um, I just think as we're all trying to get there, yeah. um, that's that's just something that we kind of have to put a pin on. And so, yeah, um, yeah I think I think for me, like you've already in this conversation, like I've got stuff when I get back to California um, in a few weeks, um, there are things that I've got to, you know, like, yeah, like confess to my team, <laughs> I've got to be open about. Yeah, and yeah. then um, I think, honestly, I've just got to become more of a supportive leader. I think the challenge is clear for, for me, but there's definitely layers of support I've got to yeah. got to add. So. Well, and I think that's, if you want to know if the environment of your team is a liberating environment where people are freed up, empowered mm. to reach the potential that they have, yeah. then you have to ask the questions. Do they know what they're supposed to be doing? Mm. And do they have what they need to do it? Mm, right. Yeah. Is it clear? And do they have everything they need to do it? Mm. Um, and is it an environment where people can actually improve upon things, mm -hmm. right? Not only do what's expected, but potentially do better yeah. than what's expected. Yeah. Um, in a dominating environment, you can't make a suggestion, hey, what if we did this differently? Mm -hmm. or, you know, yeah. because you'll get shot down like that. Yep. In a uh, protective environment, no one cares to because yeah. there's not a challenge to do that right <clears throat> mm -hmm. and so a liberating environment not only frees people up to meet their potential but to exceed whatever the mm. expectations are yeah, from good. the leader from the organization mm -hmm. and those are the types of teams organizations companies that are really making waves out there mm -hmm. because they're not settling for a status quo they're not underperforming they're overperforming yeah and you can't overperform if you're not in a liberating environment with a liberating leader, mm -hmm. right? So any last thoughts on any of this today before we close up? No, man, it's good stuff. Yeah. Now I love this tool. It's super simple, but has 
a ton of impact. Uh, like, I mean, we've talked about this. I don't even know at this point, probably an hour. And I feel like we <laughs> just scraped the surface yeah. on it. I'm excited to get into deeper conversations about this, about the circles of influence uh, and how different types of people mm. uh, interact with those and maybe natural strengths and weaknesses mm-hmm. of different leaders. And uh, so, yeah, really excited to get into that conversation. I think it's going to carry us uh, for a while on this podcast, honestly, yeah. and probably really good, beneficial, helpful information to to people that listen. So um, thanks for listening to the podcast today. We would love it if you would share this uh, with, with people that you know that mm-hmm. might like it, people that are in leadership position, team leaders, business owners that you know that you think this would be helpful for. Leave us some good reviews uh, on wherever you're listening to this. That would be awesome. I'm going to leave several links in the show notes. Again, there's a link to view this tool that we've been talking about. There'll be a link for the Circles of Influence tool as well. And then I mentioned earlier Giant, uh, which is the company that we partner with for a lot of this stuff. Uh, There'll be a link in there also that you can access not only these tools, but tons and tons of other resources all for free. So if you use that link, you can set up an account. It's free forever uh, and tons of great stuff just like Mm -hmm. this that you can access anytime for you, for your team, uh, for whoever you like. So uh, go check that out. And uh, I think that's it. We'll see you next time on Invincible Teams. See ya. Thanks for listening today to the Invincible Teams podcast. We'd like to challenge you now to go share this episode with a team leader or business owner you know that might like it. And just like every podcast, we appreciate all the subscribes, likes, shares, reviews, and five-star ratings you can give us. And like we always say, we believe that every team should reach their potential and that if we get intentional, our teams can become invincible. See you next time.